0: It's good to be with you again. I hope that today is in some ways different than every other day of the week. Uh, You know, God has made us to be refreshed in some way. Uh, Sabbath doesn't always mean doing nothing. You can interpret it that way. But Sabbath just really means doing something different than what you've been doing the other six days of the week. Whatever it means to be refreshed, that's what God is after. So that could include camping. That could include BMX bikes. That could include whatever you like to do. So I hope in some way today, at least for half a day, you're getting in a Sabbath, some rest and some refreshment and kind of a break with the routine, because that was God's design for us. So I sent you an email, and I told you what we were going to talk about today, teach about, and some scriptures. I won't ask for a show of hands. That'd just be rude. But I I hope those of you that had time were able to jump into it. If you didn't, not a problem, because we'll go through this together and kind of do a Bible study together. And what we're talking about today is what is the New Covenant? The goal during the month of March is to get ready for Easter. Easter is April 1st, and that's a day of resurrection. It's a day of remembering resurrection, of new things. And so this month, we want to kind of renew our understanding of the covenant. We want to renew our understanding of why we sing songs together, and why we pray, and why we teach the scriptures, and why we take communion, because the church has been doing those things for 2,000 years. And, And sometimes we think, I wonder if we should do something else. And then we read the scriptures and we remember why we do those things and we go, oh no, no, these are the right things to do. We can certainly do more, but there's so much power and uh, and well covenant between us and those practices. So this week, this month, uh, myself and Jonathan and Derek want to remind you of the purpose and the power of all those things. And maybe even in the process, refresh our own experiences uh, as we worship and as we learn. So... Early in Tricia and our marriage, and we married early. We were—I was nineteen and she was twenty. Oh, she's older. (laughs) Uh, I was nineteen and she was twenty when we got married. And I heard a phrase kind of early in our marriage that kind of caught me off guard. And and I didn't just hear it once, but I heard it a few times. And the first time I heard it, uh, well, this is what the phrase was: "I'm not your mother. I'm not your mother." (laughs) And you guys probably, maybe some, any of you guys heard that phrase? Yeah. But she wasn't, she wasn't being rude, and she wasn't really putting me down. But I was, in, in a moment, I was kind of, she could tell, I was after some affirmation. I wasn't feeling good about myself. I needed to feel good about myself. And so I did what I normally do, and I turned to the woman in my life, who was my mother. Uh, and my mother would always affirm me. And that's just something she's super good at. My mom... Uh, believes, Tricia does not, that I'm pretty close to perfect <laughs> and that I just, I do the right things and I'm a delight to be with. And that, my mom believes that to this day. Do not talk to her about anything else. <laughs> Tricia, however, knows better. And um, so I had asked her for some feedback, Then that's fair, and she was critiquing me. She was pushing back. And I just was like, wait a minute, that's not what I'm asking for. Well, the question was that, but that's not what I wanted. What I wanted was affirmation. And when she said that, I looked at her and she explained it, and and immediately I knew she's right. She's not my mother, and I'm not 12 anymore. And I don't need this endless flow of affirmation. I actually need to grow up and receive correction. And so... Yeah, she used the phrase after that a couple of times, and she hasn't used it for years. That's good. But every time she uses it, I know what she means. The reason I tell you that story is between the new covenant and the old covenant of Scripture, we can forget who we're in relationship with. So if you consider the old covenant, in a sense, to be our mother spiritually, and the new covenant to be our, actually, our husband in Jesus... Uh, this is a new relationship, and it's very different, and it's a mistake for us to f- forget that and to try to live into the old relationship when we actually have a new relationship. So I would share that with you today, that the old covenant is, is your mother, and you are no longer living with your mother. So as Christians and as followers of Yahweh, the first covenant was another generation and God has given us a second-generation covenant, a new covenant, and the relationship is different, and it's very different. And so I want today to help free us from any sense of slipping back into that old relationship and make sure we're fully embracing the new relationship that we have in the new covenant. So here we go. Lots of Scripture to read. When we read Scripture, it's possible to hear, are we beginnings, of blah, 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 blah? And I need you to not hear that this morning. So I need you to just take a breath, give your brain a little more oxygen, maybe even say, Holy Spirit, open up our ears, because uh, the this, this scripture can go that way. But I want you to hear all the words, because after we read them, we're going to unpack them, and I, I want your help. So listen to them with me. I'm going to read two slides straight through, and all of these two slides are 2 Corinthians 3, 1 through 15. And again, the topic today is, what is the new covenant? So while... I'm reading, find the answers to that question. What is the new covenant? All right, here we go. Holy Spirit, help. Are we beginning, Paul says to the church in Corinth, to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation, written on our hearts to be known and read by all. <clears throat> and you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered to us written not with ink but with the spirit of the living God not on tablets of stone but on tablets of the human heart and hopefully you catch the reference there to the 10 commandments the old commandment not on tablets of stone but of human hearts such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, or the old covenant kills, but the Spirit gives life, the new covenant gives life. And then moving on. Now, if the ministry of death, carved in letters on stone, For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened, for to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away... Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. Man, lots of thoughts, lots of questions, but the only question we're after right now is what is the new covenant, and therefore, what is the old covenant? We want to compare and contrast the two right now. So I ask you, what did you hear in there that you would say is either a description of the old covenant or the new covenant? Ministry of death, which covenant? Yeah, thank you, old. (laughs) Yeah, what else? Yeah, the Spirit gives life. So the new covenant is associated with the Holy Spirit, yeah. What's the contrasting Spirit versus what? If new covenant is Spirit, what was old covenant? The letter or the law, right? Yeah, so it it was a description, a prescription for behavior. The old covenant was a prescription for behavior right? What else? Bold in hope. Yeah, there was a goodness to the old covenant. There was a glory there, but it says the glory of the new covenant far outweighs it. All right, let's do a little, let's take what you said and just talk about it a little bit. So one of the things that was said is that the old covenant is external. It's a law that sits by itself. It's not in us, but it's outside of us. And so we have some kind of a relationship with it because it's external. The New Covenant is not external. The New Covenant is internal. It says, in your hearts and in your minds. So the New Covenant is not something that's outside of us that we have to bring in, but the New Covenant is actually deposited inside humans by the Holy Spirit. Here's something you already said. Old Covenant was a ministry of death. And it was also said to be a ministry of condemnation. And so both of those things are just reinforcing this reality that when God set up the law and gave it to man, he knew it couldn't be fulfilled. And that was his intent, was to create a potential covenant that would show us we cannot live into that covenant. So instead of bringing us the hope of amazing community as we followed all these laws together, the Jewish people realized, I don't want to follow those laws. I I just don't want to do that. And so they weren't able to experience that covenant, the community that God wanted. <clears throat> so actually, all they experienced was death and condemnation. Of course, all the animal sacrifices would reinforce the fact that it was a covenant of death. It was just death. Every day and every holiday, there was sacrifice and death. <clears throat> and it was condemnation. I, I blew it again. I need another sacrifice. We sinned again. There were even sacrifices for unintentional sins. So beyond what I can remember and confess, Father, forgive me for things beyond it that I don't know. So there was a lot of condemnation but it says that the New Covenant is a ministry of life by the Spirit as opposed to death, that it is more glorious than the glory of the Old Covenant. And the glory of the Old Covenant, remember Sinai, remember lightning and thunder and clouds, remember fire, remember people were afraid because of the power and the glory of the Old Covenant. So not a small thing. Moses, every time he hangs out with God, gets this glow, uh, and for some reason chooses to actually hide it until it went away. But in the new covenant, we have a more glorious covenant, more beautiful, as it's seen and understood, and it's now not a ministry of condemnation, but a ministry of righteousness. Just as an aside today, I want to remind you too, we have often used the word righteousness to mean moral perfection, like I am right, I do what is right, but if we study the scriptures carefully, that's that's not really hitting the nail on the head. God is not a God of ultimate morality. He's a God of ultimate love. So doing things right actually is about relating rightly. It's about loving rightly. It's not about being faultless from any uh, possible, anything less than perfection. So don't read righteousness as morality. Read righteousness as right relating. The Old Covenant was all about right relating. It wasn't about being a perfect human all by yourself. It was about being relating to others well, treating each other well. What we also read in there is that the old covenant was passing away, therefore it's temporary. This new covenant is said to be permanent, so not only in this human life, but somehow this covenant extends into eternity. It's a part of our eternity with Christ. And then the last thing that we saw so far in this passage in Corinthians is that the the glory of the old covenant was veiled. Uh, It was hidden. Moses would hide his face. But the scriptures tell us that we are being changed into the image of Christ, kind of layer on layer, more and more glorious, to show in our faces the beauty of Christ. And so the glory today that we have is to be shared and to be seen, not to be hidden with a veil. All right, how we doing? Good? Yeah? You're tracking? Okay, here we go again. Two big slides full of scripture. So again, ears open, spirit open. Let's hear what the scriptures say. Hebrews 8. 1 to 13. Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister of the holy places, think temple, outer court, inner court, the holy places, in the truth, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. There's a contrast. Man set up a tent, the Lord set up a tent. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus it is necessary for the priest also to have something to offer. Now if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all. This is Jesus. If Jesus were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See, you are making everything according to the pattern that I have shown you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old covenant he mediated. I'm sorry. Is much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediated, mediated is better since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then there would be no occasion to look for a second covenant. And then one more slide. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers, not your mother, on the days when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant. And so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds, and I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people, and they shall not teach each one to his neighbor and each one to his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I am, immer- I am merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. And speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Okay, here's a whole new set of ideas. What did you see? Old covenant, new covenant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How how would that phrase fit in the character of God in the covenant, the old covenant? Mm. Yeah, very much so. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. The words "copy" and "shadow" were in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To really answer your question, Peter, I think we would need to do some careful looking at the translation because, for us, as a, uh, in English, that phrase feels nonchalant or even um, distancing, turning your back. And and I wonder if um, if there's something more to it, not contrary to it, but bigger that would make sense of it. Yeah. I think since it popped out at you, you should probably go study that. <laughs> that is not what the phrase means. I am your brother, but I'm not your mother. So here in white are the fresh um, pieces that we see in, the new, in this new section of Scripture. So first of all, the Old Covenant was ministered, administered by men in a human temple. So just like Carl said... Um, God has, apparently, has a true and original temple in heaven. And what he gave to Moses were blueprints of that, saying, I want you to build a replica of what I have in heaven here on earth. And so that was the temple that they built. And it was a shadow, and it was a copy, and it was ministered by humans. And this is where the covenant didn't go well, because like Carol said, it was conditional. It was conditional on on us, on humans. And of course, we are unable to fully fulfill those conditions. Whereas the new covenant is administered by Jesus himself, this is the whole point of uh, Hebrews here in chapter 8, administered by Jesus in a heavenly temple. So Jesus, once he ascended, went into, and I, I couldn't tell you if this is in a sense metaphorical or if it's literal, but it's a reality and it works. Jesus ascended into the holy temple that is in heaven to do the work that the temple on earth could not do. So that's really good news because here's a high priest who will never fail and a high priest who became a a human for a life so that he could actually empathize with us as we fall short and then pray for us and sacrifice himself for us in our place. Uh, Again, on earth, old covenant, old temple, representative copy, the real thing with better promises. That was another phrase that I hope jumped out to you, saying this new covenant is founded on better promises. Promises, how would you explain that to a friend? What does that mean? The new covenant is founded on better promises than the old covenant God, God. hmm yeah, in the old covenant right, exactly. And God Hmm. yeah because in the new covenant it's a face-to-face knowing right in the old covenant you knew your priest and you knew who the high priest was and you yeah on the mountain and in the temple where i can't go and on the mountain where i'm afraid to go whereas in the new covenant there should be no fear and that's why it says we approach with confidence the throne of Jesus. So all the mediators are gone. There's no mediator anymore between God and people, but... It's a love relationship have now. Exactly. It was. Absolutely. It was based on fear. It was based on failure that I can't keep these conditions and so I'm not living up. Yeah, it's a very... It's a, this new covenant is a covenant of grace. Lee, that's what I hear you describing as the grace of God rather than the high standards of God that we see in the law. Yeah, what else did you guys see? Let me go to these last two points then. Uh, The Old Covenant... uh, I'm sorry, come back for me. There you go. Thanks, Sam. Um, The Old Covenant was faulty, uh, as you said, Carol, because of human failure. So we weren't able to keep our part. Whereas the New Covenant... In the New Covenant, there's a... um, Oh, yeah, sorry, I I found my place again. Uh, In the New Covenant, um, we belong to God who forgets our sins. Lee, this is what you were saying. And I want you to look at that word forget. Why is that word used rather than the word forgive? Exactly. Exactly. We can say to someone when they come to us and say, I'm so sorry. We can say, I forgive you. That doesn't mean that moving forward, our relationship is unaffected, as if it never happened, right? we can remember, we can become less trusting um, because of that. I forgave you, but don't expect me to trust you in the way that I did. And I believe quite confidently and from other scriptures that what God is saying is, I treat your sin in a way that sets you free from any implications of it ever happening. It's forgotten. So there's no more ramifications of your sin. He's saying, as far as I'm concerned, you are innocent again. I'm not going to keep track of that and say, you know, you've come down a notch. You're kind of a B student now. You know, there's nothing like that in our relationship with God. But regularly, he grants us innocence over and over again. I'm not going to hold it against you. Nick? Yeah, absolutely. Just as if I'd never sinned. Yeah. It's forgiven and forgotten. So I can kind of start over with God as if I had not done that. Yeah. And that's what he's saying. It's forgotten. That wasn't really true in the Old Covenant, but there was constant sacrifices. Okay, one more passage of Scripture. Oh, we're doing good for time. Thanks for the clock. I hope it's working. Great, it is. (laughs) Okay, a single slide for this last passage, Hebrews 9, verses 11 to... It actually should be 15. My bad. When Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all in the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer... Sanctifying for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purifying our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Wow, that's a run-on sentence, and I didn't even read it right. Sorry. Hopefully you're following. Therefore, here's the point. He is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeemed them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Okay, I ask you one last time. What do you hear in there? What more do we learn about the new covenant? Yeah, exactly. The old one didn't work. And that wasn't a surprise to God, but it was a learning experience for humanity. This new covenant will work, and it will always work. Yeah, what else? Yeah, in the first covenant, it was put on people to mediate, and we've been set free from our imperfection by Jesus mediating. Yeah, and again, it's this face-to-face relationship, like Lee said, with God himself through the person of Jesus. And now, through the Holy Spirit. What else? All right, well, let's take a look at... um, The next slide then. And here's everything that we will have gleaned, that I will have gleaned from these these three passages. So let's look at, again, the things at the bottom in white. Uh, And we just said this, so this is good. The Old Covenant relied on human mediators, so it was incomplete, it was insufficient. The New Covenant relies on God. The Old Covenant had repeated sacrifices year after year. None of them were ever enough. But in the New Covenant, there is... I couldn't believe I wrote this down, but there was one human sacrifice. And I don't know why I'd never thought of Jesus in those terms, but I couldn't change it because that's true. Uh, so it, it's, a, it's an incredible thing, what's been given for us. But one human life sacrificed permanently for eternity, that's amazing. And then finally, uh, there was some sense of outward purification through the Old Covenant that was legitimate but there was no inner purification. So in the New Covenant, our consciences are purified. Purified our consciences from dead works to serve the living God. And that's kinda, that wraps everything up in one statement. And now there's no more comparisons because we run out over here, but the New Covenant has even more going on for it. And these last two things are this. It secures a life that never ends, and it secures human wholeness. Now, those two things are in process. Everything else that we've studied in the new covenant is true now for you and for I. So we have an, eternal co- an internal covenant within our hearts. We have the ministry of the Holy Spirit within us. We see a greater beauty. We are learning to be better related to one another. This covenant we've been given is permanent. The glory is a glory that should be seen by humans. Jesus is administering it. We have better promises in Jesus Christ. I will remember your sins no more. God is forgetting. We now belong to him as children. We are reliant on God for this covenant and all of its parts. One human sacrifice happened. Our consciences have been made pure, and now there's this ongoing work of eternal life and human wholeness. So that's the forward work that's happening in our lives. This is where God asks us to be actively involved in relationship with him, to secure eternal life and to secure human wholeness. So, what does this all mean? Let's break it down, and I want you to see that um, the Trinity is very much involved here. And I, I, I know for myself and for Tricia, God has been restoring a very important understanding that he is not one God, but that he is three and one, that he is Father, Son, and Spirit. And as we've been stepping into that and reading about it and praying into it, um uh, we are a little bit overwhelmed by how significant we feel like that is to God himself. Like There's just this sense of affirmation that, yes, what you are doing and understanding is very important to me. And I'm sure you would resonate with that, and I would pass that on to you, that we need to be set free from, uh, number one, a lack of distinction between the persons of the Trinity because they do not do the same thing, and it's not you don't swap them out. They actually have separate... Um, functions or separate actions within the godhead and it pleases god when we recognize that so i wanted to do that in this process so in the new covenant there's two sides to a covenant right like a marriage there's two sets of vows there's his vows and there's her vows and in a human relationship those are pretty reciprocal and mutual let's see if that's true here so in the new covenant jesus has taken the place of priest and sacrifice He is our mediator, and he is our sacrifice. In the new covenant, Jesus has defeated death, so we know there is life after death, and we've already seen it in Jesus because Jesus is living after death, so we will live after death. Jesus has made us alive by the Spirit internally. Jesus promises to make us whole as we move forward little by little. And Jesus promised us to give us life that will last forever. So that's the work of Jesus himself. God the Father specifically has taken us as his own children. So we're not children of Jesus. We are sisters and brothers of Jesus, but we're children of God himself. And God has chosen to forget our sins. The sin that was in us was... um, fractured our relationship with the Father, and he chooses to forget. That doesn't mean that he doesn't forgive. It means he does more than forgive, but he also forgets. And then the Holy Spirit is the one who puts a new heart in us and gives us the knowledge of God. If there's anything drastically new that I learned in this study, uh, it was this this sense that I, I understand the Scriptures to be saying that In some way, we possess, as Christians, a sense of intuitive knowing the laws of God and the ways of God, that when the Holy Spirit was given to us, when we said, yes, I will follow Jesus, um, there is literally some sense of a gift or a deposit or a knowing, and so we don't need, it says, you don't need to teach one another. Not that's kind of, it's a paradox, so... We do, there is teaching that needs to happen, otherwise we just wasted a half an hour. <laughs> but there's also a knowing that happens. And I couldn't even put my finger on exactly what this is, but I do believe God has given us, in us, by the Holy Spirit, an intuition about what is right and what is true. What do you think about that idea? Because we've been looking at the Scriptures, and you've all been talking, and we've all said things that resonate. And they all are in agreement. Where that have the of and we don't, we do Hmm. And we do have really Hmm. Um, yep. Yeah. I, I, like, I like what I'm saying today. Uhhuh. <laughs> it makes sense. So I'm wondering if instead of it being proof that the, the covenant is delayed, maybe it's proof that we're not enacting the covenant correctly. Maybe we're wow. holding on to fear yeah. if we don't make the rule. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're describing the core of what I'm trying to say right now. I think we have, we're still listening to mom. If we are trying to still live by rules, that's totally contrary to everything we just talked about. That's gone, right? If you read through Galatians, there's a strong sense where where, um, Paul says, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free, therefore do not. And, Honestly, if you keep reading it, it really is license, and this is, this is where we take it. It's actually license to never be held accountable again for sin, but God is saying that. God is saying, I, as your father, will never hold you accountable for sin again. Now, we push back immediately, like, that sounds horrible. If I said that to my child, it would be license. God has confidence in his own Holy Spirit that he's not giving us license. So as we read that, hopefully we're saying, thank you, God, for so much freedom The last thing I want to do is take advantage of it. I actually want to follow you. And in that, I think, is actually a greater strength to obey because there's not a lot of power in obeying a law. That was the whole point of the old covenant. If you take a law and say, I will live by these rules, you cannot do it. That's the whole point of a 1,000 years of history and the suffering of Israel is to convince humanity you cannot live by a law. So this new covenant says that is done away. The new covenant is by the Spirit. And maybe one way I can characterize it and then we need to move on is you've heard of original sin, right? That we are all born originally broken. But I don't know that we've heard what comes before that. And I would say it's original goodness. And there's a lot of writing on this. But there was an original goodness in humans before original sin. Because God said, I will create you in my image. So the intent and the love and the beauty and the character of God was given to Adam and Eve, and they had original goodness. So before they were bad, they were good, and they were very good. God never said very good until he created Adam and Eve. All of creation was good, 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 but Adam and Eve was very good because it was his image. So we have original goodness. Then sin came, and sin did not turn humans From black to white but it deposited a virus that was black that grows and so when sin came we didn't become horrible we became broken enough that we would eventually die but I would not say that the scriptures teach us that we went from being white and pure and perfect to black and horrible and awful but instead our souls got sick now the sickness is bad Because if the sickness isn't treated, it will lead to death. But you see this in your children. Don't you see the glory of God in children? The innocent things they say, the cute things that they do, the amazing discoveries that they make, and you just go, whoa, that is so cool. That's the original goodness in your children or other people's children, and that's an amazing thing. Now, your children are infected with the virus, and so mine comes in pretty quick. And they are corrupted, but they're not horrid. They're not heinous. They were created in the image of God, and they're beautiful, but they're infected. And the older we get, the more the infection takes over. And so we do become less beautiful and less wonderful. And if we let it go, it can become awful, and we can become heinous and evil and horrible. But then Jesus comes in, and Jesus reverses the process. So when we receive the forgiveness of Jesus and the forgetfulness of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, we are now going, as the scriptures say, from glory to glory. And so hopefully you're observing in your life and the life of the ones you love that you're being healed. You're getting better. So the man or the woman that you were before, you've now reversed the process. And rather than becoming more and more broken, you are becoming more and more healed. Is that true of you? Right? Right? Oh, you're dead silent. Wow, you're scaring me. No, you've got to believe this. <laughs> that is a human feeling, and I want to set you free from it. If you say yes, you're saying what Jesus did was effective. Because Jesus is saying, I'm your doctor, I have treated you, and if you're going, I'm still pretty sick, that's not humility. Humility. That's a lack of receiving and understanding the power of Jesus and how he heals. We've got to get free from that. we got to get free from that. Yeah, Carl. Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah, gosh, those are good words. Exactly. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, and and the vaccine was drawn from his blood. Um, it was actually a, transf- a transfusion, right? A blood transfusion because our blood is full of the virus. The blood of Jesus is pure. I had more, but this is this is where we need to stop. So let's join Kirsten. <laughs> In asking the question, to what degree am I actually set free from the law? To what degree am I actually healed? And how do I step into more? And if I understand it, studying the scripture is a supplement. Having self-discipline to be kinder is is a supplement. But the true renewing that happens in a believer is just receiving. And here's the thing, this is not a marriage of I give my vows to my wife and she gives hers to me and they're kind of mutual and they're both, you know, we're both giving. I wouldn't say 50-50. I'm not saying 100-100. In this covenant with God, God has saying I have done everything. I am making all the promises. I am making all the commitments. And all I ask of you is to receive it. To receive it, to to accept it to let it have its effect on your life and on your heart and on your mind and then, and then live it out. So there, there is no more, I make these commands and desires, you obey them, we now have a mutual covenant of agreement. That's the old, that's, that's our mother. The new covenant is, I've done everything. I've provided everything. I am the mediator. All I ask of you is receive it and live it. Receive it and live it. Let me add one caveat to that. In living it, there is a mission that we have, so there is something for us to do. It's not a part of our covenant with God to be a witness, but it ought to be the fruit of receiving and living in this new covenant. Okay, we're going to sing a song, and it's kind of long. It's good that it's long. And during that song, at some point, I want you to come down and get the elements for communion if if you feel today that you want to take communion, but this time I want you to go ahead and dip the cracker and bring it back to your seat. Don't take it yet. We're going to take it together when the song is over, so we're going to do it that way. You don't need to be in a hurry. We've got some time, but during some time during the first song, come and get the elements, hold it, keep it with you, and then after the song, we'll take it together. thank you for thank you for the new covenant thank you for scriptures uh, for for scriptures that are your word that teach us that give fodder to the holy spirit that's inside of us and we ask you out of this conversation uh, to to make these things more deeply true in us a little bit today <clears throat> and moving forward father we ask you to help us receive this covenant with no more obligations on behavior and with no more rules to follow, but simply with a knowledge to receive and an adoption to receive and a power to receive and a glory, an incredible glory to receive. Father, we ask you as not just as individuals right now, but as a community, would you make us glorious? God, not that we would have anything to brag about, but that we would reflect the beauty and the power of Jesus. Father, make us as a community glorious and new and full of the good news about Jesus. Jesus, thank you for the authority that we have in your name. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're present within us, that you're praying beyond our prayers. Father, we receive this and we worship you now and we thank you now in Jesus' name.